0: Hey there, language lovers, Shannon Kennedy here with Benny Lewis for a new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, we're chatting with Lena Vasquez, a polyglot YouTube personality and holistic language coach. And in this episode, we talk about what holistic learning is and what holistic language coaching looks like, mindfulness practices for language learners, using your strengths and personality to design your language learning routine. Building your self-esteem and confidence by getting to know yourself. Indirect ways personal development impacts your language learning and mental blocks that get in our way of our overall development and how to break through them. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast or the Language Hacking Podcast in general, we always love to hear from you. You can let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear more of over at languagehacking.com slash review. As always, all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available to you as a part of the show notes. Now, let's get into our discussion with Lena.
1: The links and resources mentioned in
0: this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 79.
2: Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the language hacking podcast. I'm joined as always, by my co-host Shannon. And today we are interviewing Lena Vasquez, who is a polyglot, a holistic learning coach and a social media expert. And we're going to be picking our brain about many things and uh, we would love to hear your story, Lena. So let's uh, leave it over to you to kind of introduce us to how you got into languages, how they became a part of your life.
2: Oh, thank you, Benny. And it's a pleasure to be here with you and be here with everybody listening in. Yeah, well, I'm going to make it a short story because I think telling my life story will be here for hours. But how I got into languages was kind of serendipitous, actually. It came from my childhood. So I was born in Latvia and spent the first seven years of my life really traveling between Latvia and Australia because my mom essentially wanted to give us a better life. You know, I was always sick in Latvia and my grandma had moved after the USSR broke down and she said, you know what, come over here, let's live here. And so I spent a lot of my childhood actually in airports. So anytime I was at the airport, I always wondered, oh, I'd love to go on that flight there. Who are these people? You know, there were people dressed in so many different clothes, speaking different tongues, and it really fascinated me. So I think that was really one of the key moments of my life where I think my, my lust for travel my lust for people and discovering the world and having this curiosity about what else is out there beyond, you know, my sphere of being beyond my language. And so I grew up bilingually and then my stepfather came into the picture. So then from the age of seven, I spoke Spanish at home, uh, hence the surname as well. And yeah, it kind of just grew from there where I really found that I found myself in terms of where I belonged was amongst people from different cultures, from people who were also, you know, immigrants in Australia. And so... I had a best friend who was Serbian and I picked up some Serbian from her and then had another friend who was French. And I just really spent so much time as a child with my head in books because I didn't have siblings until the age of 10. And then as I grew older, you know, that was always something that was a part of me and a part of my life. And I actually never wanted to be a teacher. I never saw myself in that field. I went and actually studied law. And it was during my year of exchange in Mannheim when I was in my fourth year of law school. I had just finished that and I realized, You know what? I think I'm meant to do bigger things. I think I'm not meant to be stuck in a system. I think that I was always curious for a reason. And I decided to, you know, take the leap and actually kind of forge my own career path because any other ones
0: that were there were just not really fitting to me. So over time, you've dabbled in a lot of different languages, but you've also really seriously pursued learning a range of languages to a high level. So what determines that for you? How, you, how do you go about deciding what you're going to focus on and what you're going to like really dive into as opposed to just dabble in? Mm, that's a great question. I think over time,
2: it has always been dependent kind of on on my own personal career goals. So I really took French seriously, German and Spanish and decided to pursue them, you know, to to a level where I was actually studying at university in those languages. And then others were, as you said, you know, kind of for just doubling in there and, and being able to communicate with people when I go to a cafe or something. So I think the determining factor for me is actually I let it be often externally de- determined. So for example, Portuguese, I never actually planned on learning the language because I think for myself personally, I've really taken the time to understand how I learn and what drives me. And I know if I'm told to do something, I'm not going to do it as I'm sure many people who are listening are very much like that. So to one element, I am quite self-determined and I set my goals, but I kind of let the past be a little bit more flexible. So, for example, coming back to Portuguese, I stumbled across the language because a friend of mine who's a polyglot had a YouTube channel and said, I'd love to teach you some things. I think my followers would like it. And that really captivated me. And, you know, I think it's been two and a half years since that happened. Now I speak it fluently. I've worked with Brazilian companies doing social media and creating content in Portuguese and expanded from there. So I guess it's it's a little bit to do with where my passions take me, where my life takes me. you know soon I'm gonna be moving to Mexico so that's gonna allow me to dive deeper into that type of Spanish whereas I've grown up speaking you know Peruvian Spanish. so yeah I hope that answers your question.
1: So you were saying that uh, you kind of grew up in airports and it was a big part of your life to, to have this multicultural experience with so many people. And I think uh, with that kind of experience, maybe you can uh, shine a light for people who would like to begin maybe, you know, getting into travels a little bit later or in their own city if they live in a major multicultural city to start to interact with other cultures. And what ways have you allowed other cultures into your life? And what would you recommend for people who want to open up their lives to other cultures?
2: Oh, that has happened in many, many different ways. And, you know, to be honest with you, Benny, it really started, as I said, when I was just at home in Australia. So, yes, I traveled a lot, but it wasn't for the reasons that most people think. As I said, you know, we were... Traveling because we were actually, um, you know, to be a bit vulnerable, we were traveling to get away from, from my biological father. So when I say I traveled, it's like in my child mind, I actually, you know, focused on the things that were really fascinating to me, but the situation we were coming from wasn't or going to wasn't one that was, you know, traveling for the sake of a vacation. And so when I was in Australia, you know, I was very fortunate to go to an international baccalaureate school. I went to an international school where languages were offered and then the high school I went to as well. And so I started exploring, I guess, different cultures beyond any that were even familiar to me because we had so many events where I would just be curious, like when when other kids would bring foods to school or there would be a market on, I'd always tell my mom to go, like, let's go over there. I had this phase. I remember very clearly I was obsessed with Japan around the age of 11. So all I did was I would rent movies, uh, you know, anime from the library, I would go to a Japanese restaurant for my birthday, and that was my wish. And so, yeah, I guess I looked at what I had in my close vicinity. And so when I was old enough to to leave home and to travel, which was around 17, then I made my own choices. But for anybody who's listening, really, and wants to start exploring different cultures, you know, we have the internet or going to even your kind of local international supermarket is a start. Going to a restaurant, asking questions, like I always learn a lot from other people And so having
0: that curiosity, I think, gets you a long way. In addition to traveling, you are an entrepreneur. And so, you know, being an entrepreneur comes with lots of perks, like being able to travel and having that sort of freedom. But let's talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I always say I wear many hats, as I'm sure
2: anybody who you know works for themselves or or has dabbled in the entrepreneurial world does. So primarily, I work as a holistic language learning coach. So I've developed kind of my own method of learning, which has a little bit to do with personality psychology, you know, positive psychology, uh, holisticism in terms of dabbing into meditation and the yogic sciences, and then of course, um, you know, neuroscience and language learning techniques. So that's one thing that I do. Um, And I'm also a social media consultant and content manager. So I work with different companies and also really help people and brands to expand into other markets. So let's say you have a company who primarily produces English based content and is looking to expand um, their global audience. Then I kind of consult in that and also help to create content um, in that field.
1: How does positive psychology come into language learning? Because... When people first think of language learning, they think, oh, I just need to learn grammar and vocabulary and study, and then I'll be able to speak the language. So, like, obviously, I I don't think that's how it works, but that's initially people's impressions. So how does psychology play a role in that?
2: I want to start by asking everybody a question. Think about whether it was when you were in a language learning classroom or any of your teachers during your education. How often were you asked, do you know how you actually learn? For myself personally, I don't think I was ever asked that question. I don't know about you, Benny or Shannon, but that never really came up. There was a lot of autonomous exploration that needed to happen through trial and error for me to actually understand how I learn. And so when I started diving into psychotherapy, which I went and studied at uni as well, and, you know, was really fascinated by personal development and positive psychology, I came to start linking up different areas of my being, you know, just as we have different interests, I think we need to understand that we as a human being are holistic, just like the world is holistic. You know, you can't have the oceans functioning without like, gravitational pulls from the moon, like everything in our cosmos is interconnected. And so the same thing goes for us as human beings. The way that we even approach learning is conditioned through our experiences in life. It is determined also by our beliefs, by our system. So one example is, you know, for example, if you eat a huge meal before you start learning, you're actually, you've lost 40% of the capacity that you would have to retain information. And had you been more balanced, in your eating, because then 40% is used for digestion. So imagine if we could then understand how we holistically actually function as living, breathing, learning human beings, amongst other things, then how much could you enhance what you're doing and what you're pursuing in life? Because I know for myself, I spent so much time, particularly in university, relearning things. And I question now and I think, imagine if I had known how I learned, first of all, my body actually functions and how to bring in all of those aspects, I could have been way more effective than the way that I was, which was really pumped on caffeine, trying to cram my brain, you know, 20 minutes before an exam. And um, yes, I had results, but I could have had better results. And so this is really important to understand because it's not really just about what you're doing, but it's about how you're doing. it. And I think anybody learning anything The goal is also to do it as effectively as possible where you're enjoying the process, not just trying to reach an outcome.
0: So let's talk a little bit about what this looks like in practice. I'm assuming, of course, that you use the holistic learning approach for your own language study. So what would this look like for you with the language that you're currently studying? So for me, a lot
2: of the things are really ingrained already in my routine. So I start my day always with a practice of like silence and meditation. So that gets me into the right state to be more receptive, to not have feelings of anxiety come up, because that was a huge thing that I had to really battle with, you know, my self-confidence and self-esteem was super, super low. So all of my kind of self-worth came from the results that I was achieving academically. So when that was no longer the case in my life, I was suddenly left with, oh, you know, I need to deal with this anxiety. So for me, meditation really helps because it's it's like that quote, right? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I've definitely had experiences, I think, about my relationship with French where because of the certain beliefs and ideals that I had, I really got in my own way. And so one of the things that I do, as I said, by meditating and by being silent and sitting in silence every single day, I understand that I'm not my body, I'm not my mind, I am not the things that I've previously thought. And so I can actually go after my goals and and pursue my passions and the work that I do in languages to a better degree, you know, without being stopped all the time by all of these negative thoughts. So that's just one of the things. And the other thing that I also do and I also give my students is I've created these bilingual meditation meditations so obviously when I'm learning the language it's a little bit different so for example I use guided meditations in Portuguese but I also provide these um, bilingual meditations for particularly like more beginner students so that they can start to get the tone of the language the melody the basic vocabulary into their subconscious mind so that's just one of those things so yeah everything kind of plays a role in it uh I guess also yeah when I eat how I eat also kind of comes into it so I'm not going to go and have a huge study session or be recording you know 10 videos in Portuguese right after
0: I've had my lunch because that's just not going to be effective so those are just a couple of things So you had mentioned meditation a few times, and meditation is one of many mindfulness practices. So I'm curious to know if as a part of your holistic language learning approach, you utilize any other mindfulness practices. One of the other things that people often underestimate is the power
2: actually of your environment and where you are learning. So this kind of goes down two avenues. So the primary thing I want to I want to mention here is about smell. And a lot of us don't understand uh, because we've just never been taught it, right? Is that at any given time, like right now, we are taking in about 20 to 30 different odors subconsciously. And I'm sure we've all had that experience where you've been sitting somewhere and let's say the garbage truck drives past your window or, or something happens. There's a, a weird smell and suddenly your whole concentration goes towards that smell. And no matter what you do, you can't get away from it. Right. That's a key thing to make sure that your environment is set up in a way that benefits your learning. So I have some some content on this on Instagram as well. But there are certain smells like, for example, if you have an oil diffuser that you can use to actually enhance your learning. And there have been a range of studies done on this. So I think the top three to use are. Peppermint, lemon, and rose oil. I like orange as well because orange is kind of connected to being alert, but it's something that I would entice people to try out because it's a big thing as well. And the other aspect of your environment is understanding once again, how you learn best. Are you somebody who really needs their quiet time and learns best when they focus? Or are you somebody who benefits from learning for example more kinesthetically being more active being you know actually involved with people so for myself which actually you know became really hard during covid i learn the best when i'm in groups when i'm talking to people and when i'm in an environment where that language is being used so I really had to adjust my methods of learning because I do not like to sit down and just write out answers from textbooks and things like that. I love textbooks, but it's always about how you use it. And so understanding how your environment impacts you. So that's also changing the location or having somebody there to keep, you know, keep you accountable. Like understand where do you learn best? Are you more introverted, introverted
0: in your learning style or extroverted is another huge thing. So you had mentioned meditation a few times, and meditation is one of many mindfulness practices. So I'm curious to know if as a part of your holistic language learning approach, you utilize any other mindfulness practices? I guess with
2: meditation, I mentioned guided meditation, but the other thing is Often meditation is is thought of as something that you do, right? So I'm doing meditation or I'm going to go and do a meditation. But more so it's actually about, it's already about being mindful because it's about surrendering. So one of the things is if you just sit, I'm sitting kind of in a yogic pose at the moment with my and my legs crossed and that actually gives your sends more blood to your brain. So that's another thing about mindfulness is getting your body in the right position to be able to take in more information and you know if you're uncomfortable right it's, your body's going to focus on that and your mind's going to focus on that. So I guess with with meditation I mean in general like just becoming more aware So the other thing is journaling as well has been a huge, huge thing for my life. And also in language learning, it's a really beautiful practice to tap out of your mind and really get into more of your heart and your soul. Because when I journal in another language, for example, I don't always have the words. I leave gaps. You know, there's space, I have question marks, but it really allows you to be in flow. So I think another term for mindfulness really is just being in flow. Um, so I use that with my students as well, but it's whenever I work with anybody, I always put them in the driver's seat. So yes, I'm the I'm a teacher, but I'm more like a guide because I don't know them as well as they know themselves. And so my role is to really see how from my experience I can help assist them to be the better or the best version of themselves as a learner and just see where little adjustments need to be made and things like exactly like journaling um, having a silent meditation practice or even just sitting tends to have really powerful impact very very quickly because often people are so or they've been taught to always do in a language classroom right or in a language learning situation whereas when your teacher tells you know we're going to sit now it, it shifts the whole mood
1: so for people who maybe have found that just like being solo by themselves and trying to consume book content just hasn't really been the approach that uh, jives with them, what would you recommend they look into for the kind of uh, kinesthetic learning processes that may uh, appeal to them? What kind of experiments should they run?
2: I did a lot of research around the Myers-Briggs. I'm sure that, that you're aware of, of the Myers-Briggs. Now, it's you know, some people call it a pseudoscience, but I think there is some value in kind of doing any exploration of these types of of psychological tests so I would say that's a really good place to start because as soon as I found out my type and I did this around other students as well they really related to it and I think that once you like for for all of the the types that are there there's if you look up learning styles of x you know Myers-Briggs type, it will show you advantages and disadvantages or what's recommended and what's not recommended. So I would say for somebody who doesn't sit uh, or who doesn't like to sit for a long time or is not really a, a book person, I would say think about other learning experiences that you have had. What have you enjoyed doing? So where were some of the experiences that you were learning any type of skill that you really loved or even I would say like this is my personal favorite thing to do I like to kind of you know kill two birds with one stone with whatever I'm doing so I always ingrain my language learning with something that I do in my everyday life so I love playing tennis and I've had you know tennis partners who we would play tennis but talk in Portuguese or in Spanish or in even Croatian sometimes even though I'm not fluent in it so I would say if you can find opportunities to practice incorporate the language into your everyday life and have a habit out of that you will see progress a lot quicker than what somebody has told you like to use this book or to use that book and I guess it it, it's going to vary for each individual right because it depends on your goals like what even are your goals with with language learning and I think that's something that we often miss asking ourselves because we kind of just dive into the process right and go oh okay I'm going to start learning Indonesian let me go and and watch some YouTube videos before you've even questioned, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? And what are my goals? You know, where where do I want to be in a month, in three months, in six months, in a year and start from there?
0: You had mentioned earlier that one of the things that you struggle with is your competence and self-esteem. But you are also one of the best known polyglot YouTubers out there and you put out lots of content in your other languages, which for a lot of people would be something that could be really scary to do, especially when it's in your non-native language and you're putting content out in German and Portuguese and all sorts of other things. So how do you find that balance with quieting your inner critic and, you know, pushing through some of the self-esteem or confidence thoughts you might be facing when doing something like that and putting yourself out there in another language.
2: Mm. So yeah, the self-esteem and confidence thing was really an issue that I talked about, like when I was more an adolescent and kind of in my early twenties. So it was something that I, I worked through that language has helped me kind of in, in the past. But I would say there, the, the inner critic is definitely always lurking in there, right? I think we all have a, an inner critic. And I guess what helped me to get through that is honestly really just diving into the fear and understanding and realizing that, it's never as bad as you think it is. And through my journey, as I said, like personal development and, you know, therapy and all of that is something that I've really put at the forefront of my life over the last three years or so, maybe a bit more. Um, but I would say the more that you get to know yourself, the more you realize that A, nobody knows what they're doing in life. Nobody has it all figured out. And B, it's never as bad as you think it is. And it only really matters what you think about yourself. And I spent so many years trying to prove myself to everybody around me, to my family, to my teachers, to my peers. You know, I was always the youngest in anywhere, in any room that I was really in. And it took so much energy out of me. And so, for me, that first video that I posted was almost like the crowning moment of I am doing this for myself, as in to prove that I have something to share, that I am not less than anybody else, that I am just me. And I have a purpose and a mission and a message that I can help other people with. So, I just started there. And I think that we often, you know, I'm sure people look at my channel now and they see my last video and they go, whoa. Like she's so confident and she like does this and this and this. But what you don't see is the thousands of videos that I have filmed. You don't see the very first video that took like 10 takes to do. And, you know, the critic was there and was editing out every um and ah. It's a journey. It really is a journey. And I think... Having more self-compassion is something that we could all use at any given time because we all need to make a bit of a fool out of ourselves or feel a bit embarrassed and and mess up if we're trying anything that's worth doing. And so I think it's really critical to understand that because I think in society now, you know, particularly with social media and how you see just the best of other people, right, on their fa- like there's a facade that's up. Because it's so easy to post your best picture, but you don't, you don't see, you know, the moments that happened beforehand where you might have had an argument with someone or you were crying or whatever happened. I think it's so important to remember that we are all human beings and we're all trying our best. And so for me, that was really a big eye opener to understand that. I'm just doing this for like, I'm on my journey and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks because they're not living my life. And so if I can be a beacon of light for somebody else to just be real and show what's happening and show that even if you have this self-critic inside of you, you can still go and do fabulous things because all of the struggles are actually what are making you great. Then I think it gives both your self-confidence and other people who are watching you.
1: So when it comes to personal development, what have you found have uh, really influenced things uh, like, especially when it comes to your language learning skills in indirect ways? Because to something like, like meditation, clearing your head, that can give you an immediate direct, direct benefit. But there are other aspects because, you know, what you cover is is holistic. There are aspects of your life that are not necessarily directly immediately going to impact your language learning, but, but by working on those aspects of your life suddenly you become naturally a better learner and you become more focused and more in line with your with your goals. So what other aspects of people's lives do you recommend they put some time and energy into in personal development?
2: I would love to say everything because <laughs> everything is interconnected, but this is a really a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked this. so I think the way that personal development has Influenced my language learning or any aspect of language learning, right? It's not just, it's not just the learning. I would say actually just more the using of the language. I think it has definitely helped me take more risks and to not be as, as perfectionistic because I didn't realize that I was actually quite perfectionistic until it came to leveling up in terms of how I was using my languages, right? And it's always a scary thing. I mean, it's one thing to be you know, sitting, conversing with someone on, on an app or having a, a text message with your friend in a language. But it's a whole other thing when all of a sudden you're doing a live stream in a language you've been learning for like six months and you've got thousands of people watching you, which was the case when I was doing, um, some content in, in Brazilian Portuguese. And so I would say it has definitely helped me with yeah was I guess just tapping into fear a little bit more and leaning in uh into my my discomfort and not being so scared to take risks I would say also actually through language particularly German because my first um kind of business and, and life coach was uh, a guy in Germany and so everything we did was in German and I would say that that left a really strong imprint on my life in terms of my relationships my relationship to myself because of the way that the German language is constructed so I know that's a bit of a twist on on your question, but I would say actually the language, personal development in that other language impacted me as well because it opened up like another domain of of self-exploration.
0: As a language coach, you work with a lot of different language learners and you see a lot of the things that they struggle with. And normally the question would be, what are the common struggles you see language learners face and how would you help them overcome them? But I think given your background and your interest in personal development and holistic language learning, my question for you would be more along the lines of what sort of obstacles do you see language learners put in their own way? And what sort of mental blocks do people build that they have trouble tearing down in order to have real breakthroughs in their language learning. And it might not necessarily be something directly related to language, but I think other sorts of mental blocks that we put in front of ourselves. Immediately, I think of one of the biggest hurdles that people place
2: in their own way being comparison. Comparison to other people and how other people learn. And this is pertaining to both the online world. I have heard this many, many times of Because, you know, there are so many YouTubers and, you know, Instagrammers who are, you know, language learning experts and polyglots out there that people instead of actually going and and testing out their own methods and learning and just enjoying the process try to reach some ideal that has been placed forward on the internet. And so I think that is one of the things I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, I saw this person and they learned this language in this amount of time and that amount of time and I just I got to shake my head. I'm like, "No, This is not about them. This is about you and your journey and your goals. So I would say that is definitely one of those things. And I think perfectionism is is definitely huge as well of people being scared to make mistakes, not only in the sense of misspeaking or mispronouncing or whatnot, but I think actually being scared to try things because they want to get to this goal as soon as possible and not really asking themselves why. So I would say those are are two really, really big things. And then the other thing is, I guess, it's not so much an obstacle that people place in their own way, but I think it comes back to the idea of, that we mentioned previously of not understanding how you learn, is they haven't really tapped into their deeper why, of why they're trying to learn this language. So I see this particularly a lot um, with people who are living in Germany, particularly Berlin, and they have this goal of learning German. And all that they have in their mind is, this language is hard. I need to learn it for work though. And so really going back into looking at the way that you are constructing the language around around your language, even, you know, where does this idea come from of it being difficult or easy? Who did you get that from? Because a lot of the times I see that, you know, whether it's been through memes or just general colloquialisms and language and, you know, people telling you, hey, yeah, German is so hard to learn. You've already put a really big obstacle in your way because you now have this mentality that this is going to be a hard language. So what people don't realize is as soon as you have said that, your mind is actually going to now try and find all of the most difficult routes to get there. So those are kind of the three three top things that I see a lot of.
1: And what can people do to work around those? I mean, one of them that you mentioned already Is to tap into your why and to always remembering like your reason for doing this, your passion for it. But if that moment comes up where someone sees a meme of, you know, German is so crazy because they say Schmetterling for butterfly and like, you know, I I see that one and I roll my eyes every time. How do you uh, combat that kind of negativity? And if you're feeling tempted by perfectionism, what can you do in the moment to release yourself of that? and to try to be more open to making mistakes?
2: I think the solution lies in many different moments put together. I think there's no quick fix for behavior patterns that we have or mind patterns, you know, that we've built up uh, and that have been ingrained in us for a long period of time. But it's not going to change, right, if you don't do something to kind of put a a fork in the road. And so I would say is becoming aware of that really is the first step because you you can't change anything that you're not aware of. So if you're aware of of the maybe of being a bit too perfectionistic, like talk to yourself about it like sit down, hold yourself, accept it and that's why I think journaling is really powerful like letting out those those thoughts and those feelings onto something outside of your being um, and having it in front of you in a piece of paper can be really helpful to to start just questioning and analyzing a little bit more. For some people that might not work. So I think that having an accountability partner is huge. like I will say hands down. Every single week I have somebody that we just sit together, we're on Zoom and we just do our work and then we talk because that helps me really to, to get out of myself and now have somebody who, you know, kind of just reflects back to me like, Lena, you've got this, like you don't need to be so perfectionistic. Yes, yeah, so I would say having a community or even just another
0: person that you're kind of accountable to really is beneficial. So let's talk a little bit about your language learning approach. I know you share a lot of what you do and a lot of behind the scenes footage over on your YouTube channel, but I think for the benefit of the podcast listeners, it'd be awesome to kind of get a breakdown of some of the techniques and resources that you currently use to learn languages. Yeah, so I would say one of the key things that
2: I do... I love to, to start speaking really as soon as possible. I know Benny kind of aligned with this as well. So I always look at, well, what am I trying to, trying to do in this language? What am I trying to say? So my goals are really around yeah, speaking to people, creating videos in the languages and just having fun. So that means everything that I, the way that I learn is geared around that. So one of the things that I am massive into is a kind of form of scripting. So. I will watch a lot of YouTube videos, write down, you know, the phrases that people use, um, listen to podcasts or particularly learning podcasts. And then I will kind of write, put together my own scripts. And so I think of language learning or the way that I learn a little bit like acting, Um, not in the sense of faking, right? But acting like if you are preparing for a presentation, right? Even in your your native language, you're going to have notes. So it's the same thing. I'm preparing for my presentation in a language, which is any dialogue I'm going to have with a native speaker. So in my own time or in my own kind of personal learning zone, I will write out the scripts, I will practice, I will record my voice and just do everything that's based around speaking. And so whenever I'm, I guess, whenever I come into a into a position where I need to maybe look at some more grammar, then I will go and get a have a session with a tutor or I will have a session with a friend who speaks the language and just kind of ask some questions. So it's really my method is really, I'd say quite hands on. It's very just focused around speaking, obviously a little bit of writing and just exploring myself and my verbal being through that language.
1: You've got many different uh, paths in your career and you've picked up a lot of languages along the way. So I'm curious if you have uh, a plan for the next years, like where do you see your company going and what other language projects would you like to get into?
2: I always just say it's just the beginning. (laughs) So in terms of where my projects are going um at the moment we've just launched a program on our holistic learning academy so it's not just language what we do but what we aim to do is yeah enhance you know human consciousness and and just people in general how they live and how they are through language being one of those avenues so we have our kind of life purpose group coaching which taps into all of the things that we've kind of talked about today like meditation journaling, habits, etc. Um, and so I really see that expanding itself into other languages and more courses coming out on that. Uh, in terms of my consultancy work as well, um, I really see myself being kind of a, a catalyst for change in more and more companies and brands around the world in terms of transforming borders into bridges. That's kind of my my little motto, but to really help people realize and understand that. Languages are such a gift and we can build so many more connections to other people around the world through the domain of language, cross-cultural understanding. So I really want to be uh, an advocate for that and continue to be an advocate for that and just share my life and whatever happens in life, because (laughs) you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I, you know, you could ask me the question, what languages will you learn? And I really don't know. It really depends on where life is going to take me. I have a whole list that I want to
0: learn, but Step by step is, is always what I say. So one of the questions that we always like to ask our guests, given that this is the Language Hacking Podcast, is what is your definition of language hacking? I would say language hacking
2: to me means finding the most effective way to express yourself in a language. Being your fullest self in a language without fear and just going for it is language hacking.
1: That's the best way to say it, really going for what works for you. And uh, I like your entire learning approach that it's uh, it's all about trying to figure out what is the ideal way to live your life that uh, helps you reach your goals in the most effective way possible. So this has been a fascinating interview and we'll make sure that links to all your stuff is going to be in our show notes so people can check you out. They can check out your site, your YouTube channel, your social media, all that fun stuff. And uh, people can learn more about your holistic learning approach. So thank you very much for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Benny and Shannon. It has been an absolute pleasure, honestly. And thank you to everybody listening. We'll do this again sometime.
1: Absolutely. All right. So until the next time, we'll wish everybody listening a very happy language learning.
0: Happy language learning. So as a part of each episode, Benny and I like to share what our takeaway is from our discussion with our guest, And these are tips that you can implement into your own language learning. Try something out this week, see how it works for you, and hopefully come up with something that either improves your language learning strategy or reinforces what you're already doing. So I'm going to jump in first this week, Benny. And my takeaway with Lena was about how essentially anything and everything impacts your language learning, whether it's what you're smelling or what you did prior to your study session. Like if you just woke up or if you had a meal and your body's busy digesting, like I know I knew this stuff in theory, but it's not something that I've ever really thought about. I know you probably can relate to coming back from a big lunch and just needing a serious nap after because you literally can't do anything else. So, I mean, it's something that you just kind of understand in principle. But when it comes to sitting down and studying, setting up your environment and setting up your body to be ready to study is really nothing that I've ever really thought about before. So for me, that's something interesting. And I think my takeaway is we actually have a diffuser and tons of essential oils. So I'm going to try out some of the different scents that she mentioned for my language studies and see what helps me concentrate, whether it's peppermint or orange or some of the other smells that she mentioned. So that's my takeaway. What about you, Benny?
1: Yeah, I, I really like this whole concept of like looking at every aspect of your life and how that makes you a better person overall and more satisfied with yourself, which then makes you a stronger language learner. And we tend to, with language learning discussions, always be talking about You know, what are the tools I need and how do I get speaking with people? But uh, it really is not something we tend to talk about so much. Are you getting a bit of meditation in the morning to clear your mind and things like like you mentioned, like what smells are around you? And uh, are you timing the uh, periods of day that you're going to be doing your language learning around when maybe you're least hired or uh you ha- you know you can be more focused and uh essentially a quote i really liked that uh, Lena said was it's not just what you're doing it's how you're doing and i would suggest people listening to really uh think outside of like if you're feeling you're failing as a language learner to think outside of the specifics of your language learning story and see what other aspects of your life can you get on top of and how can you feel less stressed and how can you manage your energy levels and like i'm i'm not personally a fan of myers-briggs but how can you see what aspects of your personality work for different styles of language learning and that maybe you're not somebody who can sit down and focus on a book for a long time i know i can't and this is why like Le- lena I learn a lot more effectively if I'm out interacting with people. And I had to learn that the hard way. For a while, I I tried to use language learning books as my only tool. And I fell flat in my face and I failed at language learning when I did that. But that did not mean I was destined to never learn the language. So I'd always suggest people to experiment and see what might work with your personality. And you may be surprised that it's going to significantly change your language learning story. So that would be my takeaway.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because when you think about it, just how often we shortchange ourselves or we create these obstacles unnecessarily because of these internal self narratives that we have going on about what we're able to do or how we're able to do it or what's available to us. And if we start to apply some of these techniques that Lena mentioned in this episode and reframe how we look at things, how we look at ourselves. I think it can open up a lot of opportunity to us as language learners. So on that note, we're going to close out this episode. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast, you can share your thoughts with us over at languagehacking.com slash review. It lets us know what you enjoy most, what we need to do more of, and it also helps more language learners like yourself find the podcast as always everything mentioned in this episode will be available to you as a part of the show notes and until the next time happy language learning
1: happy language learning
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast.
2: Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and wanna help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pasco. With special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast.
0: Thank you for listening and happy language learning.